Our readings this morning uh, come from the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll be reading the uh, first section. We'll be looking at uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through to 8. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when the men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust settles, the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. It's the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's a great uh, privilege and joy to share fellowship with you this morning. Uh, And just as we sang in that last hymn, wonderful words of life. God's word brings life, doesn't it? It's a word we need in a dark world. It's the word we need in a noisy world. I'm going to read to you, uh, read with you from Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, verses 9 through to 14. I do apologise, my version will be just a little different to what's on the screen. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of a wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed and collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of a matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. And this is the word of the Lord. Friends, today it's again great pleasure to be able to bring God's word to you. Um, I'm going to be focusing on verses 13 and 14, but referring to the, to the rest of the chapter as well. And as I come to God's word, would you join with me in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we come in great need. Father, our souls are hungry. And we long to be filled with your word. We trust and know that your word 
is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. May you fulfil your purpose in your word this morning in each of our lives. May it equip us for righteousness. May it bring us in that deeper faith, that deeper holiness and that deeper repentance. Father, we ask this of you in Christ's name. Amen. I've conducted well over 150 funerals um, at my life, both as a minister and as a chaplain. But there's one funeral that stands out from, I think, most of the funerals I've, I've uh, conducted. Her name was Connie Eaton. Connie uh, suffered quite a lot, very deeply. Uh, due to an operation gone wrong, she became a paraplegic. And this happened in a time of her life when her mobility was most needed, uh, when raising her four children with her husband, Terry. And while I was at the funeral, I remember watching a pictorial eulogy. We saw a a woman who suffered very gracefully. Uh, She loved those around her. Uh, She did whatever was necessary to care for all who she came across, despite her own sufferings. Connie really was a model of selflessness. Uh, Her capacity to love uh, far exceeded most people I know. Uh, As an example, uh, she actually wrote birthday cards for her grandchildren to open years after she died. What we didn't see in this pictorial eulogy was a woman angrily holding her fist up to God saying, why me? We didn't see self-pity, there wasn't bitterness, guile, resentment or hostility either towards God or or other people. During Connie's pictorial eulogy, this thought came to my mind. What does all this mean if at the end of the day we die? What does all of Connie's goodness, love and gracefulness matter if at the end of the day, Connie is dead? In fact, in two generations' time, Connie and all of us here, we won't be remembered. Death raises many questions, but one one that I think causes most angst is the question of meaning. What does it mean if at the end of a day we die? What's life all about? Our questions about death and meaning are not new. Over 3,000 years ago, there lived a man who is described in the scripture as the wisest man who ever lived. Of course, his name's Solomon. You may not know this, but Solomon was a king, a statesman, an author. He was a composer, a poet, a botanist and a scientist. He was an architect, a political reformer, a military mind and a wise man. 
In fact, the scripture tells us that nobody matched Solomon's wisdom either before him or after him. And Solomon actually wrote many things, but he wrote a book of wisdom which we call Ecclesiastes that we've had read out, some of it this morning for us. And it's in this book that Solomon wrestles with the problem of death. He makes the astute observation that death makes it impossible to find meaning in the things of this world. And he should know, because in his pursuit to find meaning, he denied himself nothing. We read in Ecclesiastes, he denied himself no pleasure. He undertook incredible projects. He acquired huge farms. He amassed gold and silver. He brought personal musicians for himself. He even established an harem. That's a summary of what uh, what Solomon says he did in, in the opening chapter or so of Ecclesiastes. Here this morning, his conclusion that he comes to in chapter 2, this is what he says. All of it is meaningless. Chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. Death is a reason why Solomon did not find meaning in his work, his achievements or his pleasure. See, at the end of the day, he says, I will die and I'm going to leave it all to somebody else. He then, in his pursuit for meaning, seeks to find it in wisdom. Now, there's no doubt that, uh, and he says this, wisdom is much better than foolishness. But again, listen to the conclusion he comes to in chapter 2. This is verses 14 and 15 of Ecclesiastes. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in darkness. So he's saying wisdom is better than foolishness. But, here's the but, I came to realise that the same fate overtakes them both. And I said to myself, the fate of a fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. So again, death is a reason why Solomon doesn't find meaning in wisdom. You know, both the wise and the fool, they die. And if you were to read through the rest of Ecclesiastes, Solomon makes the observation that it's no use trying to find meaning in money or possessions. In chapter 5, verse 15, he says this, Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. And, And again, it's interesting. What is the reason why meaning is not found in money or possessions? According to Solomon, it's death. Death cuts us off from our money and our possessions. And in fact, throughout Ecclesiastes, Solomon observes that meaning is not found in children, in youth, in wickedness, in reputation, in drunkenness, in houses, in possessions. Solomon comes to the conclusion that death makes it impossible to find meaning in things. Now, why is this the case? 
Solomon tells us. Now, let me read to you chapter 3, verse 11. Solomon says, He, that is God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. At the very heart of our being, God has set us up to live forever. We were made to enjoy both God and his creation forever. And what this means is is that death is the enemy of our God-given desires to enjoy life forever. Why does death feel so wrong? You weren't made to die. The reason why we grieve is that we're not made for endings. This morning, just the thought of losing everything we have and everything we love grieves our hearts, does it not? See, if God did not set eternity in our hearts, then death would be a natural part of life. And I imagine we would find meaning in the things of this world. If we were made for endings, we would embrace them. But God has set eternity in our hearts. We weren't made for endings. So what's the solution? Solomon's search for meaning took him initially to the temporary, to the things of this world. When he discovers that meaning can't be found in the things of this world, he then looks to the eternal. In the last chapter of of his book, Solomon concludes this. I'm going to summarise chapter 12 here. Death will be unravelled. Our spirits will return to God. And he will be our judge. Let me reread to you some of those verses from chapter 12. Solomon says, Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Solomon, in his conclusion in searching for meaning, he then says, remember God before you die because your spirit one day will return to God. Then he says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. This is, in his search for meaning, this is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So according to Solomon... Not only is there life beyond the grave, which there is, and not only do our spirits return to God, which they will, but there is judgment. One day beyond the grave, God will judge everything we've done, whether it's good or bad. This is a profound revelation. right? Because what Solomon is saying is everything you and I do now matters for eternity. 
if God will bring everything into judgment, that means every thought, every word, every action, every affection matters for eternity. Solomon is telling us that meaning is not found in temporary things. It is found in the eternal realities. Death has been unraveled. There is life beyond the grave and God is there as our judge. See, the book of Ecclesiastes records Solomon's search for meaning. Right? He, he, he sets off in his search looking at the temporary things of this world, but he discovers that death makes it impossible to find meaning in things. Why? God has set eternity in our hearts. So then he looks to the eternal realities and he concludes that living life in light of those realities gives meaning to life now. Now, while Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, the New Testament tells us that his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the wisdom of God. What that means is that the wisdom that Solomon taught and proclaims in Ecclesiastes, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who makes it possible for us to experience. See, if Solomon teaches that meaning in this life is found when we live our lives in the light of eternal realities, then it's the Lord Jesus Christ who makes it possible for us to do this. Let me give you some examples. How is it possible to speak, to think, to act and to feel in a way that pleases God our judge? Through Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom from God. Very helpful at this point is the Gospel of John, chapter 15. It's that wonderful chapter where the Lord Jesus is described as the vine and we are the branches coming off the vine. We're told in that chapter, whoever by faith remains in Christ and his word remains in them, God will produce in that person good fruit, abundant fruit and eternal fruit. It's a fruit that will last for all eternity. Christ produces in the Christian godliness and holiness and repentance and righteousness and faith and love. Which again, in John chapter 15, God is, is wonderfully bringing back the curtain and revealing to us that it's his son who makes it possible for us to live out the wisdom that Solomon's proclaiming. I mean, how can any of us here this morning remember God through Christ? I mean, how can any of us here who are broken, sinful, imperfect stand before the perfect judge and not be condemned through Christ? How can we live a life that pleases God, our judge, through Christ, who is our wisdom from God? Friends, if you're a Christian this morning and you are facing the possibility of a life-limiting illness, then take heart. Death does not render your life meaningless. Right? Yes, you will meet God as your judge, yet through Christ you will not be condemned. 
because you are in Christ Jesus and he's in you. Rejoice because God is at peace with you through his son. But more than this, every godly act you have done in your life, every caring word you spoke, every godly affection you felt matters for eternity. See, God makes life meaningful through Christ because in Christ now, everything we do in our lives matters for eternity. Earlier this year, I received a phone call from a research company wanting to know my future investment intentions. I like speaking to these people. Um, the lady from the research company asked me, am I more likely to invest in shares, property or interest-bearing accounts? She said something that none, none of the, those operators or those telemarketers have ever said to me. She said, please be honest. So I said, okay. I said, my most likely future investment is in the kingdom of heaven. She said, I haven't heard of that investment. <laughs> I explained to her that one day I will be in the presence of my Lord and I want to invest my money in things that have an eternal dividend. Helping the poor, supporting missionaries and the church. She said to me, there's no option for this in the survey. <laughs> she then said, you must choose one I've given you. But I said to her, you told me to be honest. We were at a stalemate and I couldn't continue the survey. If again today you are suffering a life-limiting illness, you know that your life is cut short and you will soon die, please remember that when in response to the grace of God you received Christ and obeyed Christ, when you gave of your time to help your neighbour, your wealth to help the poor, when you gave of your talents in service to the church, or, or by God's grace, you were investing in eternity. Every time you use your gift to build up God's people or advance the gospel in the world, you were investing in the things to come. There is a divine dividend waiting for you, and it's all on account of God's generosity and mercy, no doubt. Coming back to Connie's funeral, death did not render her life meaningless. Because all her love, her good works mattered, not only in this world, but for the world to come. And it's true, Connie and each one of us here will not be remembered in two generations' time. None of us. Right? But death has been unravelled. We will live forever with the Lord. And how we live now will be remembered by God. That's what matters. Everything you have done in this life matters for eternity. And while all our good works are filled with imperfections, speaking from very personal experience, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ that they're made acceptable to God. God makes life meaningful. 
because through Christ we live forever. If today you are mourning or grieving the loss of your Christian loved ones, take heart. Death has not rendered their life death has not rendered their lives meaningless. Yes, death separates you from them, no doubt. But every good and loving act that you experience through them matters for eternity. How wonderful. Every godly and good work they did through Christ, God will bring to account and they will know God's eternal reward. And every sin and failure that they committed will not be held against them because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. While their bodies have returned to dust, their souls are in the presence of God and they're awaiting the glory of their resurrection bodies and their eternal reward. Earlier this year, I attended a funeral held in a chapel in the middle of a cemetery in Launceston. To get to this chapel, you have to drive through the cemetery and you're driving past hundreds of graves. It's a very sobering experience. When I arrived at the chapel, I was early. There was only a few people present, so to fill in some time, I was walking through the chapel rose garden. And I noticed plaques inscribed with the names of those who had died and messages of love from their families. When it was time, I entered the chapel. And right in front of us was the coffin that held the body of my friend who died. We're all in the chapel and the funeral begins and the person who led the funeral warmly welcomed us. Then they said, Today... We are not going to talk about death or that side of things. I thought to myself, why aren't we going to talk about death? Death is all around us. We're sitting in the middle of a cemetery. Our desire to avoid the reality of death runs very deep because death confronts us with the reality that everyone loses everything. And it makes us ask the question about meaning. And it can leave us with a feeling of despair. For we do know that one day, death will cut us off from everyone we love and everything we have. But my brothers and sisters, take heart. Look to God. For while death awaits us, there is an eternity to come. More than this, call upon God to ready you for that day because he readies us through his wisdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And wonderfully, and praise God for this, through Christ, everything you do now matters for eternity. That's what makes life meaningful. Meaning is not found in your money, your superannuation, your friends, your family, your children, or even your church. They are not unimportant, but meaning is not found in those things. God makes life meaningful through his Son. And it's through Christ that everything we do now matters for eternity. May we seek meaning for our lives in Christ.
And when the day death comes, which it will, may we look to death through Christ, knowing not only is there life to come, but we come to the one who will call us to account and Christ will be our intercedery, our priest. And through him and his grace and mercy, there is an eternal reward. Let me lead you in prayer. Our gracious Father, Lord, even the thought of death today It brings sorrow to our heart. But we thank you in your great mercy and grace. You have unravelled death. There is life to come and you are there. Father, help us today to know that you make our lives meaningful. Lead us, we pray, through your Son, to live our lives in such a way that the righteousness and the holiness and the love and the truth and the glory of your perfections will be reflected in everything we do, knowing that such grace and such good works matters for eternity. Help us to remember you daily, Heavenly Father, and deepen our faith in your Son, deepen our repentance unto you, deepen our holiness of life, knowing that what we do now matters for eternity. And we ask this in your name. Amen.